1966, the Chicago Bears drafted the son of a Pennsylvania coal miner in the fourth round. Doug Buffon would go on to play 15 seasons for the Bears and later be named one of the 100 greatest Bears of all time. His allegiance to the Bears never waned, even when he took to the microphone and witnessed some horrendous Bears teams. The fact is, there's not the fear put into him because this game is a lot about fear. You either do the job or you go home and go sell hamburgers at McDonald's. Doug told it like it is, and that's part of the reason his nephew John has dedicated this show to Doug. And now John Buffon is spreading Buffon-branded beratements just like his uncle. Win the football game. You're the head coach. I don't care what you have your fingers in. I don't care what you're meddling in. You're the head freaking coach. We get it. You're the most important guy on the staff. You don't have to keep trying to legitimize that. And he's got pep talks too. I love this team. And I know everyone watching and listening loves this team. So while we may be pessimistic and cynical, every one of us still has hope that the stars will align at some point. And if that ever does happen, you'll be glad you stuck around. John is telling it like it is here on Buffone 55. And joining John are Alyssa Barbieri, managing editor of USA Today's NFL Wires, including Bears Wire. And also Danny Shimon, lead game and draft analyst for the Barroom Network. Buckle up and bear down. This is Buffon 55, The John Buffon Show. We don't need video. Hello and welcome to another edition of Buffon 55, a fast-paced approach at breaking down those Chicago Bears. My name is John Buffon, and with me, as always, is my trusty producer and co-host, Alyssa Barbieri. Alyssa, we're back from our own little mini vacation. We had a few weeks off, feeling kind of energized, but we are back and ready to talk Bears. How you doing? I'm doing good. I mean, I feel like it's been like a month or two since the Bears last played a football game. I'm just so ready to get back at it, and I'm really hoping the Bears don't make me regret it come Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it feels like we haven't done a show. It's only been two weeks, but it feels like it's been like almost a month. And then the, the Bears play on Monday night. They have a bye week. Uh, how about, you know, how about the Bears? You Basically, what, every time they go into one of these mini buys or the buys, they, they end up winning. They win each of their Thursday night games, and then we have a little 10-day layover, and then they win their game before the bye, so we have another layover after that. So if they if they just have a, a bye in between each game, they should be okay. I have a question for you, John. Yeah. Where were you last Monday night? <laughs> Funny, okay. <laughs> I was, I, 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 honestly, I tried to find this six degrees of Kevin Bacon. How was I there? How was I connected to it? I wasn't connected to that one. They, they did that wow. on their own. They, they they somehow won that game on their own. I wasn't in attendance. My family wasn't in attendance. I, I, I Maybe, you know what? Maybe there was a distant relative who was there. But uh, as far as I know, there was no Buffon blood in the stadium. But you never know. We, we're, we're a sneaky bunch. There could have been. There could have been. There could have been someone in there. Oh, Matt Eberflus gets his first <laughs> NFC North win and first win without John Buffon in the house. <laughs> you know, that might save his job. 
<laughs> oh, 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 let's let's, uh, let's not let's not get too crazy. We're only, we've only been on for about four minutes. Let's let's uh, let's go ahead and gear down a little bit. But uh, listen, like we said, the last show we did, we previewed the Bears against the Lions. In this show, we're going to preview the Bears against the Lions. So before we jump into that, can you tell our viewers how Buffon Fifty Five works? Yeah, I get a little deja vu here, but yeah, of course. So we are going to begin with a classic B-55 segment. That's when I ask John five questions about the Bears, and his responses must be completed within 55 seconds. The 55 is John's way of paying tribute to the great Doug Buffon, his uncle, his mentor, and a man who played 15 seasons with the Bears and wore number 55. Then we're going to bring on Danny Shimon for a free-for-all that we call Buffon's basement, where the three of us are going to break down this last win I know, a win. And look ahead to the Lions again uh, with a little help from Aldo Gandia. So he's going to have a full report on the NFC North frontrunner. So, John, I know that we had a two-week bye here. It might be a little slow. Are you ready for this? Uh, much like all of the Wiley veterans, I'm starting to wear down, but uh, I shall push through. Uh, we got this. Here we go. It is time for our B-55 segment. That's when I'm going to ask John five questions, and he somehow finds a way to keep his responses within 55 seconds. So let's get it started. So, John, the Bears were off Sunday, and so were we. So I have to ask, what was a Sunday of Bears-free football like in the Buffon house? 55 seconds are on the clock. Go. You know, I'll be honest, it was pretty nice. There was no stress. There was no yelling at the TV. Uh, there was no chucking my hat at the wall. Uh, there was no toxic Twitter talk going on. Well, at least about the Bears. On Sunday afternoon, uh, I was visiting my parents in Pittsburgh, and it was nice to just relax and let other fan bases sweat it out for once. Uh, I don't get to watch football as leisurely as I'd like, so this was a nice break. It was kind of like when the Bears played on Thursday and they got that little mini buy. You could relax on Sunday. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's even better when they win those games and you don't have to stew over it for 10 days or so. Uh, and I think especially when your team is out of it, you start gaining an interest in the futures of other teams and how things are going to play out, play out as the season winds down. So you're flipping around, you're checking scores, but for the most part, you don't have a rooting interest unless, of course, you're gambling on the game. So to be around friends and family watching football uh, where the results are kind of inconsequential, it was nice. Yeah, and I know that we're not actually out there on the field playing the game, but I mean, I think that as Bears fans, we really deserve to buy week two. I mean, it was nice coming off of that win, but it's been a year. It's felt like a couple of different seasons kind of all rolled in together. Uh, and like you said, it was really nice just to kind of, I mean, I didn't have to work on a Sunday, which was nice. I mean, nice. got a couple posts here because, I mean, I, I, can't, I can't help myself. Because you're a pro. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it was nice just to sit and watch football, competent football. Um, and there were some games with, you know, vested interest uh, yeah. as it pertains to, to the Bears. So. That's true. I mean, there, I mean, even if the game didn't really, I mean, you, you keep your eye on these teams because, you know, we've been looking at draft positioning since September. So it's, uh, we have we have a rooting interest for other teams and other situations for different reasons. Not, not, not necessarily because of playoff positioning or wins or anything like that. We're not we're not lucky enough to have that in Chicago. Uh, but we do have uh, we do have a vested interest in some of these other teams. I don't know. Maybe someday we'll get there. Something. Maybe. That's so wishful thinking. <laughs> so we're actually going to stick with that topic and the bye week. So there were a number of interesting games on Sunday, including some, you know, with a little rooting interest. So mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you this, John, what game or games caught your interest the most and why? You have 55 seconds. 
Well, I was fascinated by the Steelers-Cardinals game because I've been thinking all year that the Steelers are just the upside-down version of the Bears. They aren't really that good. They get outgained in basically every game, but they find a way to keep it close and they win, whereas the Bears just find a way to lose. So I kept waiting on the Steelers to make their move in the second half, and then our uh, our old buddy Mitch Trubisky got put into the game for the injured Kenny Pickett, and that comeback never formulated. And even better, the Cardinals widened their gap from the Panthers' pick, so it actually did benefit the Bears, and the Bears and Bears fans should be rooting against the Steelers again this week because they welcome the Patriots to town. So uh, I have to say it's kind of funny that my friends who are Steelers fans – who just hammered me into the ground for four years with Trubisky memes and jokes, and now he's holding their playoff hopes in his hands. The universe knows what it's doing, by the way. Uh, but that was such a weird game to watch. And then, of course, you see the Niners just roll over the Eagles and made a real statement there. And then I had to watch the Packers upset the Chiefs. But there were some weird and interesting games. Yeah, no, that, that Packers game just not feeling good. I mean, I did a post um, a couple weeks ago for Thanksgiving where I was like, here are all the things Bears fans to be thankful for. And one of them was uh, the Packers also suck. And now ever since then, they're 2-0, uh, including two big wins over the Lions and Chiefs. So, I mean, can I delete that? But um, <laughs> like you said, there were a number of interesting games. And like the Eagles and Niners game, obviously, that was a big one. And I found myself just way more invested in that Panthers-Buccaneers game than I ever sure. wanted to be uh, because, I mean, it, it was close there a little bit, right? We want to make sure we keep that number one pick. So, I mean, it, it, it felt like the Bears were kind of playing, even though they weren't, just because obviously there's so much at stake here with, with draft picks So from that game to the Cardinals game and everything in, in between. We just been we just been watching too many Panthers games this year. <laughs> Way <laughs> because, too many because we had, because we it's like bad enough we got to watch the Bears play football and then it's like oh what are the Panthers doing? Are we the only fan base that is outside of maybe Carolina that's just like oh man what are, what do the Panthers do? How are the Panthers looking today? <laughs> like they're like who else does that? But you know we have to. Uh, someone has to and apparently like we have two we're following two teams that suck. So I mean at least the Bears suck no, less. One's um, not enough. One is not a never for us. We, we're masochists. We love That's the pain right. as Bears fans. Uh, so, John, coming off of an unpredicted win, they won. The Bears won without you in attendance, uh, by the way, over the Vikings in Week 12. The Bears currently sit at 4-8, and eight, and Matt Eberflus got his first ever win against an NFC North team. Do you think that this win changed the trajectory of Eberflus's future with the Bears? 55 seconds are on the clock. Eh, not really. I'm staying steadfast that I know what I would do, but I don't think Ryan Poles knows what he's going to do yet. That was a good win for the team, but they did only manage, you know, 12 points after creating four takeaways. And I know that really isn't Eberflus' side of the ball, but I think the head coach has to take ultimate responsibility. After all, it's his staff that's not getting the job done. Uh, the defense is obviously playing better, and he does deserve credit for that. But I'm kind of leaning towards Matt Eberflus being one of those coaches that is a really good coordinator, but probably shouldn't be a head coach. And by the way there's absolutely nothing wrong with that we hold a lot of coordinators that didn't work out as head coaches in high regard dick lebeau vic fangio jim swartz romeo cornell al saunders some guys are just specialists that take care of their side of the ball really well but they shouldn't be the face and the ceo of the team because it's more than just coaching and schemes it's staff management team management media relations and a lot of decisions that are outside of x's and o's no, you make a really good point because, you know, when we've been talking about Matt Eberflus and how he's made progress, it's been because what he's done with the defense, right? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, I always joke, like, it'd be nice to bring in a new head coach, but can we, like, retain Matt Eberflus? Because right. the work he's done with the defense is really good. Uh, so I think that, you know, 
assuming the Bears, if they choose to move on from him this offseason, I think he'll be in high demand as a defensive coordinator in this league. So, I mean, good for him. But like you said, I don't think it really changed much in terms of like Ryan Poles, because especially when there are like reports coming out that the Bears are kind of, you know, monitoring some potential head coach candidates. I mean, it doesn't really bode well for your future. I mean, I mean, he's doing his due diligence, but also with five weeks left, I kind of feel like the writing's on the wall with this one, but I mean, we'll see. It might be like a him or me kind of situation, too. Like maybe Kevin Warren presents Ryan Poles with an ultimatum like, hey, you move on from me for loose or you both can, you know, hit the doors, hit the road. So, I mean, who knows? Uh, I think that Ryan Poles would probably obviously choose to to save himself in this sure. uh, situation. So, I mean, yeah, just I mean, I I still think that Matt Eberflus's uh, fate is sealed. I could I could be proven wrong if the Bears go on some kind of run and look like the Lions from last year, where they're like kind of in the playoff hunt, but they just miss out. I could see that being a situation where they run it back with Eberflus and Justin Fields. Uh, two things. One, I think that Ryan Poles really likes Matt Eberflus and he's, he would wanted to find a reason to retain him, but I also think he would make the right decision when, when the writing is on the wall and it's obvious that they need to move on. Second, I had to laugh when you said in the hunt, because I saw a graphic the other day where the bears were in the hunt at four and eight, but there were 14 teams on the graphic. There's only 16 teams in the conference. I've been waiting all season to see that graphic all season, John. I feel fulfilled now. Why not? Like, can you imagine being the two teams that are left off that graphic? It's like, there's, there's literally 14 of the 16 teams are on the graphic and in the hunt and the bears are down there poor name like okay yeah because they're not mathematically eliminated they're in the hunt i guess so uh that i, I had to laugh because i because i remember us saying i want to see them in the hunt i want to see them in that graphic and then the nfl obliged by putting them in the in the hunt but it's just because they extended the graphic they just they just put more teams on there rather than the bears playing themselves onto the graphic they're like nah everyone can be on that graphic everyone's in the hunt so yeah the bears, bears fans need that yeah the bear, bears are in the hunt yep. hey it was nice let's enjoy it for a week because i mean Depending on how things go Sunday, that might be the last time that we see that. That's so, that's that's, uh, that's a good point. We gotta we have to enjoy the little things, and we're not getting a lot to celebrate. It's small victories, and I just wanted to see them in the hunt, and they're in the hunt. I mean, not here they are. We are but, in hey. the hunt. We are in the hunt in December, in hunt. everyone. <laughs> December football. It means something again. Oh man, I love it. Um, so staying in the same vein, uh, Justin Fields went twenty-seven of thirty-seven for two hundred seventeen yards. He rushed for 59 yards and led the Bears down the field for the game-winning field goal uh, in that Vikings game before the bye. So, however, Fields didn't score a touchdown, and he had two costly fumbles late in the game. So did this game impact Fields' future with the Bears in any kind of way? 55 seconds and go. Uh, I'm going to sound really dry here, but I don't think it moved the needle one way or another. Uh, it was great to see him lead the team down the field for that game-winning field goal. That would have been an absolutely devastating loss. Uh, but on the other hand, the fumbles are brutal, and your franchise quarterback has to protect the ball. Uh, so you kind of have a pro and a con there. But the Bears essentially throwing nothing but screens for the duration of the game doesn't really give you a good read on how Fields is progressing. You'd hope they'd open things up a little more and get a better evaluation of Fields as the season winds down. Uh, but And I think at one point they were averaging less than a yard per throw. Uh, so that either means the play calling is inept, which I believe most of us think it is, uh, or the team has zero trust in the quarterback and they know they're coaching for their jobs right now and they're trying to play it safe. Both could absolutely be true. Ultimately, I think it comes down to who the coach is in 2024, and then that person will have the say on whether or not they want Justin Fields to be the quarterback for the Chicago Bears. 
It's interesting, too, because when you kind of look at, you know, Matt Eberflus's future and Justin Fields' future, it kind of feels like they could be intertwined a little bit because we talk about getting the head coach and the quarterback on the same timeline. So if Justin Fields balls out these last five games, obviously the team's going to do well and it's going to look well for Eberflus. Maybe they bring him back. But if he struggles, then it kind of feels like both of them are out and then you kind of restart yeah. again. So. I mean, like in that, did you see the post-game locker room celebration? They were showing, like, the way Matt Eberflus was hugging Justin Fields after the win. It's like, thanks for saving my my job for another week, buddy. At least a week, yeah. At least a week. But these five games, uh, obviously, are going to be big. But like you said, too, I don't think this that Monday night game really moved the needle at all. I mean, he he did have those two costly fumbles, but that's been an issue of his before. Mm. It's nothing that the Bears didn't know he has to – Obviously, he can't do that. He has to get better with that. But seeing him lead a game-winning drive, which he hasn't really had a lot of, that that was a welcome surprise and, and something sure. new. So, and, and that defense, that defense's performance was just incredible. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't really think it did a lot. We want to see him kind of open it up downfield. I think we'll get an opportunity to do that on Sunday. Yeah, and I just don't know if you can bank on having three or four turnovers every game. Eventually, you're yeah. going to have to put the ball in the end zone. <laughs> and 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 that's a mixture of both fields and the play calling a little bit more. Like there's this it's, you, how many screens? Like I it, it, like it whenever the broadcast team is like openly making fun of it, like it's like, "Oh, a, another screen. Yeah. Oh, a bubble screen, a bubble screen. Oh, like who saw that one coming?" And it, it's it's just like, "What are we doing?" Like what, what, like that's, that's embarrassing. So uh, I, I think that, yeah, I hope they open it up a little bit more because I think they want to get a real evaluation on this kid uh, moving forward. But I've said this throughout the season. I just feel like if they move on to a new coach, they're going to move on to a new quarterback, whether or not you think Justin Fields is the guy or not. I think the new coach might want to reset that uh, rookie quarterback contract and have his guy from day one moving forward. Uh, I mean, they, they could bring in a coach and say, you know, Justin's my guy. I want to make it work. That could absolutely work. And, you know, I think Justin Fields has the tools to be a, a really good starter in this league, but it might be for a different team at some point, just because, the bears that, you know, timing can, you know, trump talent sometimes. And if they feel like the time, if they feel like, okay, we don't know if we're going to extend this guy for his 50 year option or we have to pay him in two years. Uh, and I'm a new head coach here. I'm bringing in my guy. I'm bringing my guy that I can cultivate for two or three years. And then I, and then uh, we can, we can move on from there. So a lot still has to happen here, but um, you know, within the coaches and quarterbacks, you know, it's just, <laughs> you know, a typical bears year. Yeah, it's interesting because normally and unfortunately we've been through this a lot where it comes to the point where, okay, the head coach and or GM are getting fired at the end of the year. And it's like, okay, yay, there's one path forward. And that's, you know, okay, there's change. But with this one, you have two different options, right? It could be, okay, you, you Justin Fields is the guy they decide, right? And you're like, okay, yay, let's root for Justin Fields. Or you have another option of starting over with a young, exciting rookie quarterback and a new head coach. And it's not like, both of them would be fine. You know what I mean? But I don't know. It's just, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. It's just, there there are no bad options. I think it's just going to be interesting to see how the final five games plays out. And ultimately what Ryan Poles and or Kevin Warren uh, decide to do here. And, and, it's interesting, which I'm not saying this is, was a mistake on the Bears' part, but it, uh, and if they do decide to keep Justin Fields and they either draft someone at number one or they trade down or whatever they decide to do, um, if it doesn't work out and the Bears still are not winning, you have to answer to the 
team president and the owner of why you had the number one overall pick two years in a row and the quarterback position's not fixed. I'm not saying they should have. They, they, obviously, I think they might have dodged a bullet last year by not taking Bryce Young, although you can make a case that if they should have taken C.J. Stroud, they, what could have happened there? Or if Caleb Williams ends up being a generational talent, they got it. They have to justify to uh, Warren and McCaskey, like, this was the right thing to do. We had, But we had the number one overall pick two years in a row, and this is the way that we went to – this is the, the, uh, the route we decided to take. I'm not saying that they were wrong. For doing that, I'm just saying it's going to be an awkward conversation. Yeah, how many times have we seen like where the GM swings and misses on a quarterback? Mm-hmm. But you you make the decision to go out and draft it. You take a chance. Now, if that this were to happen, he went and passed on Bolt, you know, CJ Stroud, and if Caleb Williams ends up being great, you're mm-hmm. not even taking a shot. You're just like choosing. Mm-hmm. Oh no, no, we evaluated. They don't. We don't think he's the guy, right? Right. So, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, I do think a lot of it hinges on. Matty Berflus's future and sure like you said I don't think Ryan Poles has really made his mind up yet uh so this evaluation is going to go right up into the final game of the year unless someone made up Ryan Poles's mind for him oh yes we'll see we'll see I you know what this is what we have to talk about there's five there's five weeks left in the season this this is what we have to talk season yep always hey we are we're just like programmed to to be talking about the off season we were talking about it back in September uh like you said so yeah (laughs) we're gonna finish with this John We are officially in December. The Bears have five games remaining. And Bears fans have been openly frustrated since September, and rightfully so. But with the end of the season now within reach, John, is your rage still burning (laughs) as hot as it was two months ago? Let's shut off the clock. Have at it. All right, look. As a Bears fan, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. The season is almost over. The offseason starts in about a month, and we can turn the page on another disappointing Bears campaign. So the rage I had in September and October is waning because we have something to look forward to now. Remember in October when they were 0-4 and and we were like, oh my God, we have 13 more weeks of this? So we're at the time of the year where they only have a handful of games left and we can really start digging into the changes that are going to be made and another aspect of this is obviously I'm a Bears fan but I am a huge football fan as well we get to December I get really geared up for the playoff push playoff positioning who could get the buy what the matchups look like at the uh, at the end of the season I geek out on that stuff and I absolutely love December football and I love January football even more the only thing that gets me mad is that I wish I could combine my love for the Bears and my love for playoff football into one conversation. I wish we could be talking about the Bears playoff positioning or what seed they could be in January or how this team is built to make a long playoff push. But here we are again in December. My two loves are as far away from each other as they've ever been. That'll do it for B55. After this message, we'll talk more Bears with the Barroom's lead analyst, Danny Shimon, and preview the division-leading Detroit Lions. Have you ever wondered what it's like to be a quarterback in the NFL? I have. The quarterback position is arguably the most difficult position in all of sports due to its physical and mental nature. Join me by watching me on this channel on my journey to become an NFL quarterback. Chicago Bears content anywhere. Catch Nomad Live pregame one hour prior to kickoff and Nomad at night postgame.
and every Friday evening at 7 p.m. Central on all the most popular streaming platforms. And only on the Nomad Network. Welcome back to Buffone 55. This is the segment we call Buffone's Basement, where we get down and dirty with some Bears talk, and we bring in Danny Shimon, our lead analyst. Danny, how you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Missed you guys, man. It took like a week and a half and seen, I haven't seen you guys. Bears won a game. Matt Aberflus won a division game for the first time. And then, What's going on? You know, I, gained, <laughs> I, gained, I gained 10 pounds over Thanksgiving. I mean, a lot of things happened this past week and a half. A lot of, yeah, a lot of things have happened. Yeah, we we and we're here to break it all down. We're, we're gonna we we're go. gonna jump right into it. And Danny, since you just jumped on, we're gonna go, we're gonna start with you. Five, Danny, five games. That's the number that uh, the coach coach Matt Eberflus has to prove to his bosses that he should be entrusted with being the head coach of the Bears in 2024. I already know where this is going. You were on record <laughs> with not being a fan of Coach Eberflus. What does he have to do in these last five games to convince you that he should be the head coach in 2024? John, Alyssa, I tried. I tried to be a good analyst, try to break it down, look at the numbers, look at the, the way the team's been playing. I just can't bring back Matt Eberflus. I'm sorry. I mean, yeah, has defense improved? Yes. I, I, I mean, honest, it couldn't get worse than last year, right? So it's gotten better. Uh, but again, you know, we, we talked about earlier, I, you guys were talking about earlier about the Bears being in the hunt in, in, in that group. <laughs> you, know, you know, they're four and eight. They should be six and six if Matt Eberflus' team does not blow two late double-digit fourth-quarter leads versus Denver at home and versus the Lions. The last time they played the Lions, they're up by, by 12 points with, I believe, less than four minutes left. So, yes, the defense has gotten better, but you know, when it's time for them to put up or shut up, you know, third downs are still struggling. They still can't get off the field consistently. They still, like, those two games right there, blue double-digit leads, right? So, yes, they, they've gotten better statistically, but they're still not that good of a defense. And last week, too, you know, they, they gave up that, that lead touchdown after Justin's fumbles. They gave up a touchdown. They, they were going to probably lose to Minnesota on a last-second, you know, touchdown by, by Dobbs. And then although Justin Justin comes back and leads them down and, and they get the kick, the winning field goal and they win the game. So it's when the defense needs to get off the football field, they just can't do it. And then, you know, besides that, it's just the, the, the leadership quality. You know, we always talked about, you know, uh, an adult in the room. And I just I just don't see this guy being a guy that, that can cultivate a team, get them to that next point. Right. Maybe you get these young guys playing hard. They believe in him. They, they like him. He's a, he's a player's coach. 
But in terms of winning, you, John, you talked about were you wanting a winning product? You wanting your Bears to be in the playoffs in January? I just don't have confidence that Matt Eberflus and his staff can get that Bears to that point. So I, I would make a sweep, a clean change. Yeah, I don't think you're going to hear too many uh, arguments against what you said there, Danny. At least on this show, <laughs> I don't think I don't think you're going to get any any pushback. Nailed uh, it. On that. Yeah, uh, Alyssa, I'm going to turn over to you because yesterday, Justina Anderson, NFL insider uh, at CBS, posted a tweet that said, "I'm told the Chicago Bears are expected to have interest in Commanders assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy." among others, with general knowledge that current head coach Matt Eberflus is under evaluation with the team at four and eight. So what do you make of this? And then, Danny, I'm going to ask you for your thoughts, but I, I, I hear a lot of, like, out language there as well as far as uh, interest in Eric Bieniemy, among others, with general general knowledge that at Matt Eberflus is under evaluation at so there's there's really nothing specific about that because it's Eric Bieniemy among others uh and it's also general knowledge and Matt Eberflus is under evaluation because you know most head coaches are just not under evaluation they're just like eh, do what you gotta do uh, <laughs> but uh so what do you take of that I mean, first off, I don't think it's a good look for Matt Eberflus that there are no. reports coming up about potential replacements. And it's like, hey, you have five games left to prove yourself. But, oh, by the way, you know, we're just we're doing our due diligence just in case. Uh, but, I mean, as far as Eric Bieniemy, I mean, that that's a name that I would not be upset about. He'd be probably among my top candidates. Obviously, there are some others. Uh, and I know that Danny uh, definitely agrees with one of them. The only mm -hmm. way I would accept Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan it would be to come to Chicago. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, when you look at what Biennemi has done specifically with Sam Howell and how, I mean, he's what, second in passing yards behind CJ Stroud this season. Just what, what he's done to look make him look like a good quarterback is nothing short of a miracle. Um, and to see Biennemi, you know, finally get experience calling plays away from Andy Reid, because that was always the not right after what happened with Matt Nagy and how it was okay it was always Andy Reid so you know the enemy having to step out of the shadow go ahead and call his plays by himself he also has assistant head coach experience which you know that that's definitely something and there's the Kansas City connection right with Ryan Poles you know yeah. um so they work together uh with the Chiefs so that that's a move that would make sense it kind of feels like when like looking back at the hiring process with Poles and Eberflus, I, Poles was hired, what, two days before the Eberflus hire was made. So if they had actually given Poles and allowed him to kind of help with the coaching search, I feel like Biennemi is someone that he probably would have taken a look at. Obviously, I don't think they were going to go back-to-back -back Kansas City offense coordinators after everything that happened with Matt, Matt Nagy. So, but I mean, I, I do think it does indicate that Chicago – you know, if they decide to move on from Eberflus uh, and go with Bienemy, it would, it would indicate that Chicago probably moves on from from Justin Fields. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Poles is looking to recreate like the Chiefs with the Bears. You know, Bienemy, maybe Caleb Williams. Who knows? But it, it's definitely interesting and definitely not the last report that we're going to hear about uh, potential coaching candidates. Yeah, Danny, we had, we saw the enemy tweet, and then we saw rumors about Jim Harbaugh today, and then, you know, so I, I know that's your guy, and quite frankly, I'm on board with you with that. So, uh, but what do you what do you make of the enemy rumors and the Harbaugh rumors and the overall, the fact that this is all coming out like five, five weeks before the end of the season, it, it probably doesn't bode well for Matt Eberflus, but once again, we don't know where this is coming from. Right, exactly. And, and the first thing I saw or thought of, John, when I saw that tweet, it was, 
it's agenda season. It's agenda by the agent for probably Eric Bieniemy because you know he's coaching for uh, uh, Ron Rivera, who's going to get fired at the end of the year. So he's going to be out there looking for a job. So I think this is his agent trying to put his name out there. And the Bears do don't do this kind of thing. Now it is Kevin Warren, right? So so McCaskies don't do this kind of thing and sort of you know prying and looking ahead and and kind of preparing themselves. You know they go get someone off from the from the gravesite like a Bill Pullian or Ernie Acorsi, and they have them go find their their general manager or or you know head coach. But so this is not a, a, a Bears thing. So this is more of, a, of, a, of an, an agent, I, I feel, trying to get his name out there, trying to link him up. Also, it didn't say for head coach. It, it could be for an offensive coordinator position because if Eberflus stays, maybe Poles convinces Kevin Warren, keep Eberflus, but we're going to get rid of to you, bring in an Eric Bieniemy to be offensive coordinator, so on and so forth. But in terms of Eric Bieniemy himself, he was a guy that I was really intrigued with coming into the season. But Looking over his career, you know, he started off with, with the Vikings as a running back coach under Brad Childress, and then he went to, to Andy Reid with Kansas City. So, again, we're talking about a, same, a, a guy that's been in one system throughout his coaching career. He's been with that West Coast, Andy Reid, Mike Holmgren system. So this is a guy that's going to bring in that system and try to fit players into his system, which is what I don't want. And that's about what that's what happened over there in, 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 um, in Washington. You know, we talked about, you know, uh, Alyssa talked about Sam Howell and his numbers. But also, he's the most sacked quarterback in the league. And some will say it's his offensive line, uh, albeit they don't have greatest talent there. But the, this offense has a lot of five, seven-step drops, and you are just flinging the ball over the football field. And again, it's it's a system that Matt Nagy brought with him from Kansas City. There are tweaks here and there, so on and so forth. But I, I just I'm not a fan of this. It, it works for KC. But I'm done with the whole KC to Chicago pipeline. Let's let's shut that thing off. Let's stop the construction <laughs> on it right now. Let's keep it over there. It works for them. God bless. Thank you. But I don't want anybody else coming here. You know, one thing I, that that Washington game that really just kind of turned me off on Eric Benmi was when the Bears were relating really a second half. He had Sam Howell drop back and pass 50 consecutive snaps. So I don't want someone that's going to just abandon the running game. Again, who is that? That's Andy Reid. That's Matt Nagy. That that's that kind of system that just kind of you know just throw the ball all over the football field. Fifty consecutive snaps. I'm, so, I'm surprised that kid's arm doesn't fall off yet in, in in the season so far. So, but no, I, I'm done with the Eric Bieniemy thing. I want someone that's going to come in here. It's going to be an innovator. It's going to take an, take the talent that's on on his offensive staff and say, all right, how do I make this this guy perform better? I, Jim Harbaugh would do that. Jim Harbaugh won with. Mm-hmm. A, a pocket quarterback like Alex Smith, Jim Harbaugh won with a dual threat quarterback like a Colin Kaepernick. Jim Harbaugh will have a physical offensive and defensive line, a team that's going to beat you up every Sunday. You know, they'll run the ball, they'll, they'll, then they'll, they'll build their play action game off of that. You know, uh, another quarter out there, we talked about Ben Johnson. You know, the last time we had a show, we kind of dove into him. You know, he's a guy, of course, no head coaching experience, but he's come from three different systems. And he builds his offensive game plan based off of his run sets. And again, I've been talking about that all year. Is you're a running team, Luke Getzey. Base your passing game off of your off of your play action and your run game. And Ben Johnson's done that. And I, I want to see someone like Ben Johnson maybe come in here and say, all right, what can Justin Fields do? When, how, how can he go ahead and he saw what Justin Fields did to Detroit last, you know, two weeks ago. Uh, you know, maybe he's got some ideas with him. That's I want someone that's going to come in here and create an offense around the talent base that's already here and then add more to it. 
Yeah, the reason I don't think Bienemy would come to Chicago as an offensive coordinator is does he really want to attach himself to the second lame duck coach in two years in a row? Like he came in for Ron Rivera, he's going to get fired, so Bienemy's looking for a job, or he could be elevated to head coach. Who knows if he's going to apply for that job or not? But uh, and then he's going to come to Chicago, and if they don't win, they're going to fire Matt Eberflus, and once again, he's looking for another job after that year. So uh, I, I don't think that he would go. I don't think he would come to Chicago as as the coordinator. Uh, but uh, you make you make valid points about what hard can bring to the table uh but i, I do want to i want to kind of switch uh gears a little bit uh Alyssa, there's been a huge turnaround in the defense this season we talked about that a little bit uh on the b55 segment it's actually been pretty impressive you wrote about it earlier this week at bears wire can you share uh with us what the numbers were during that horrendous start of the season and what they've been since week five <laughs> I mean, man, the, the beginning of this season, just how bad they were. It just it feels like an entirely different season entirely. Um, but when you kind of look at those first four games uh, up to that Broncos uh, game, they absolutely just blew should have been a win. They were allowing 34.3 points per game, which was second to last in the NFL. I don't even know who was worse than that. Probably Carolina. Who knows? Uh, they were allowing 383.3 yards per game, which ranked 28th. And they only had two sacks through four games, which was obviously dead last where they still rank, unfortunately, at this point. But since week five with that Washington game, uh, they've allowed 19.8 points per game. They have the top run defense in the league, allowing only 79 rushing yards. And when you kind of look at the turnaround, obviously it's Matt Eberflus coming in, um, you know, stepping into that defensive role and what he's done, but also the addition of Montez Sweat, right? It had just been absolutely incredible for this defensive line. And you look specifically at the last three games the Bears have played. They have seven takeaways and seven sacks. And it's definitely encouraging when, when we're looking at towards the future because a lot of these pieces will still be in place next year. And then there are obviously some decisions that need to be made, including Jalen Johnson. So, you know, it, it's definitely one of the storylines, I think, to monitor here in the final five games. And again, it's so frustrating because Matt Eberflus is a good defensive coordinator. Uh, it's kind of like, can we just keep you on as that and get an actual head coach uh, in there to run the whole show? But I mean, what the defense has done, impressive. The fact that they were able to win that, that, that game on Monday night, just how ugly things got, especially in the fourth quarter with those fumbles. I mean, you got to give your, you got to have your hat off for the defense there. Absolutely. And you talked about Montez Sweat. Danny, you've been looking at some tape of Montez Sweat, who was acquired before the deadline for a second round pick. But uh, right now stands as, I believe, the 40th overall pick. But can you tell us and take us through some of the tape and tell us what you've learned about Montez Sweat and what Bears fans can expect? Uh, because obviously they signed him to a big, uh, big contract, what they can, they can expect from Sweat in the present and the future. Before I dig into the tape here real quick, I just the, the day that trade was made, and I, I think we were on this show, and Johnny asked me in terms of you know the the value that Bears got for you know for that pick, and I said everyone had you know the the fear of last year with the Chase Claypool trade and the giving up second round pick, and I said Montez Sweat guys is not Chase Claypool. Montez Sweat can play. You know we we discussed you know you know he wins with physicality. He wins with his length. He wins with his closing burst. He, he's not a guy that, that has the elite bend off, off uh, you know, around the edge. He doesn't have that elite qu first step quickness. Like, you know, like we are used to seeing with these premier pass rushers. And, and so we picked a couple of clips here. I wanted to show you some of that, some of what I was talking about in terms of his ability. Here's this first one here against the saints. You see here sweat, you know, uh, get up, gets into Andres Pete, a three-time pro bowl uh, tackle and uses that arm length, that power, that what I call converting speed to power, gets it, you know, breaks his, you know, 
pushes him back, bullies him back into the offensive line. Again, using that length to be able to get him off his frame and then walk the the, the three-time Pro Bowler back into the quarterback. Then here is clip here. We're also seeing it's the same play where we see Demarcus Walker. If we can go back there real quick and show that one, where Demarcus Walker kicks kicked inside, where I think he's more effective on third downs as a, as a three-technique pass rushing. So now you get both guys. You get two guys that can rush a passer, and that that is an effect from Montez Sweat coming here. And then that move right there, that one-arm pull move, that was made famous by the late great Reggie White. So I love seeing that. You know, the build his power, his ability to kind of just walk guys back and and just use that physicality to get back into the into the backfield and cause pressure and now allow his teammates like the Marcus Walker in this clip here to also be effective and actually I believe you know get the hurry there on on Derek Carr. So uh, it, overall, Danny, is this going to be a guy that is going to be the anchor of that defensive line moving forward as far as being the disruptor, being the being the sacks leader on this team moving forward? Is that because they paid him to be that? Will he be that moving forward? I think I think it's going to be a very very good defensive end for this Bears. And then there's a couple more clips here I want to show you real quick. Another one here against Minnesota, where again Sweat's coming off. Now he's going to be playing what we call a tackle end stunt, where he takes the two guys and then the end loops around him. That's Ngakwe. He comes around and causes uh, Hobbs to to go ahead and I'm sorry Dobbs to to you know look look down and not look at the coverage or run away. In the meantime, you look at Sweat continue to work towards the quarterback. Utilizing his hands to go like that again, the length to be a wipe down, swipe down, get away from Brian O'Neill, and then that closing burst at, at that 6'6, 280 pounds. And the kid gets there in a hurry and he comes with physicality and he looks to hurt people. So I love the way he plays his motor, the, the way he makes other guys better. Again, the, the first clip we showed you Demarcus Walker getting a pressure. Here we showed you him uh, drawing attention to two blockers from Minnesota and now Ngakwe looping around and using that tackle and stunt pair to go ahead and, and create a, a pressure there to get Dobbs off his off his uh you know his mark there and now Sweat also is able to go ahead and then again that closing burst for a guy at 6'6 280 plus pounds to be able to close down and gets there with 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 mean intentions is this is what I like seeing about Montez Sweat in terms of you know there's another one here I got calling up I get the third one this is where I like in terms of Sweat being an overall player He's always a guy that always is always thinking run first. Here, he doesn't fall for the play action above Jared Goff, and he, and he maintains his, uh, his gap integrity and stays just in case Goff keeps that ball. And once he notices that, locates the ball, is still in Goff's hands. Look at the way he just kind of closes again at Goff, gets there. His frame, it doesn't allow Goff to look over him and be able to find a receiver over him. And then just engulfs him with those 36-plus-inch arms and then brings him down with physicality, with toughness. That mortar is always running on Montez Sweat. So in order to answer your question, John, can he be the premier you know, like premier pass rusher, like the, the double digit sack guy. I, I don't know if he can be that, but he's going to be a damn good defensive end uh, that's going to anchor that side in terms of the run defense. He's going to draw extra attention from, you know, extra blockers, chips, you know, double teams. And then also he's going to be able to use that length, that strength to be able to go ahead and, and, and create some pressures. We're already seeing two and a half sacks, you know, six uh, quarterback hits. He's got tons of pressures already uh, to his name in only four games. So what I would like to do, and if, if, if Ryan pulls us here or if they bring a new general manager, is I like to find that speed guy in the opposite end of a Montez Sweat. So now you bring a guy that, that's got just the pass rush ability, that, the bend, the, the athletic ability, the quick twitch fibers. To combine those two coming off the edge, now you've got something there. And again, you can argue bring guys inside. We saw, you know, we saw Deron Dexter getting better now. We saw because Montez Sweat draws some of that extra attention, 
guys like Dexter who are getting better, getting more comfortable in their roles, you know, I see them being a little more productive. Justin Jones has been productive. You know, it, it, his effect, it, you know, you can feel it uh, across the defensive line. I think if you add another pass rusher opposite of him, that can be more of a speed element guy that can just pull off the ball and get back in the backfield, combine that with Sweat and the other guys inside, now you've got the makings of a, of a really good defensive front. All right, Danny. Any any more clips to go over? Or you, is that was that was all? Oh, I just I just give you a little three three previews. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was great. We did a whole segment. <laughs> no, because what it does is it shows the multi dimensions of sweat of what he does for his teammates, what he does as far as eating up blocks, and what he can do uh, as as a pass rusher in general. So, uh, yeah, this uh, you make a good point. It's not the Chase Claypool trade. They're actually going to see some dividends on right. this one, and, and so and they they obviously extended him the second, the, the basically the the week they acquired him. So uh, Montez went a lot to be excited for with Bears fans. And, and, and Alyssa, the Bears defensive line has improved since the arrival of Sweat. And I understand they might catch a break because a key member of the Lions offensive line might miss Sunday's game. Can you give us the latest on that? Yeah, when looking at you know both the Bears and the Lions, they're pretty healthy uh, heading into this game. But the Lions offensive line has been dealt a blow in regards to center Frank, Ragn- Frank Ragnow. Uh, he's dealing with knee, back, and toe injuries. So, I mean, he's down hard. Uh, and he was listed as a non-participant in Wednesday's practice. Only player for the Lions that didn't practice uh, today. And the knee and toe injuries were nothing new. He's been dealing with that. But the back injury uh, was a new inclusion. So that's something worth monitoring. But earlier in the week, Lions head coach Dan Campbell did indicate that Ragnow wasn't expected to play against the Bears. So that does look like that's going to be the case. So with Ragnow now out, it'll be uh, Graham Glasgow moving from right guard to center. And then Colby Soresdale is going to be starting at right guard. So, you know, it's something that could definitely give Chicago's interior defensive line some opportunities, both uh, in run defense and pass rush. So for more on the division leading Detroit Lions, here's Aldo Gandia. It's Fields to Moore for the lead. Fields with nothing down the field. Penalty marker flies in. Fields takes off. Fields with a big run. Fields still on his feet. And he slides down inside the 35. This is an eight-minute, now 13-play series. Third and seven. They'll run it. They're perfectly happy right now to take a field goal. In week 11, the Lions proved they were hardly the cowardly Lions fans have seen for many years. The Bears scored 16 straight points in the second half, but with 4 minutes and 15 seconds to go in the fourth quarter, Detroit started a 17-point scoring spree, and it was the Bears leaving Detroit with their tail between their legs. Obviously very disappointed um, in the loss. You know, obviously the disappointment was the finish. You know, we didn't finish it as a football team, didn't finish it as coaches, as players uh, the right way. And there's a lot of plays to be had out there um, and good calls that we could have made in those situations um, to get us that victory. In the Lions locker room, the word resilient was a reminder of what the Bears lack. We are a resilient team, gentlemen. We are resilient. We're going to find a way to win. They freaking came out and they fought us, but we... 
fought harder, and we went and got the win. Since that victory, though, the Lions' resiliency has been tested again and again, and the results have been mixed. The following week, they lost to the Green Bay Packers at Ford Field. They trailed by as much as 17 points. The Lions never really came close to a win. Only a garbage-time touchdown made the score respectable. Then last Sunday, the Lions came growling back with three touchdowns in the first quarter. Goff given all day over the middle. Ross Brown. What a start for Detroit. But that Lions defense allowed the Saints to crawl back to within three points before the offense put the game away for Detroit. We competed, you know, we competed. That's what it's all about. Here in the month of December, here we go. December starts at a cold and windy Soldier Field. Quarterback coach Mark Brunel expects the surging Bears defense to be well-rested and filled with surprises. Uh, the one thing that, that uh, has gotten our attention is the fact that they're coming off a bye week. And so typically when you play a defense like this, one, they're rested. Uh, two, specific to this game, um, they're probably upset, angry about how the last game finished for them. And they have time to put things in that perhaps you're not ready for. for. We will be surprised on a few things, whether it's a front, it's a, it's a type of pressure, it's a coverage, we'll see something different. And um, that usually happens uh, every week, but when a team comes off a bye, uh, you see a lot more of it. So it's a concern. So you have to be ready for just about everything. The Lions have the weapons on offense to counter just about anything. Jared Goff is fourth in passing yards. David Montgomery is fourth in rushing touchdowns. All-purpose back Jameer Gibbs has accounted for almost 900 yards. Amon Ra St. Brown has over 1,000 yards receiving. And rookie Sam Laporta is tied for the most touchdowns for a tight end in the NFL. On defense, the weapons aren't quite as strong. And they're further depleted with defensive tackle Aleem McNeil put on injured reserve with a knee injury. Say this, losing losing Mac for these four weeks is going to be tough. Um, because he, he's been a, I mean, he's been a reliable, steady, productive player for us. And he's really come into his own this year. I mean, he's just grown every year, but this year was... He was big, he was a force for us, um, you know, and uh, guys got a lot of respect for him. So, it, you know, that hurts. McNeil's injury is the latest in a string of injuries that have helped to account for a defense allowing an average of 373 total yards to opposing teams. That's up from 313 in the previous four games. They're giving up more passing yards, rushing yards, and points than at any point in the first half of the season. That defense isn't totally depleted. They still have Chad Hutchinson. You remember him, right? And they have a special teams unit that's been on fire lately. For Buffon 55, I'm Aldo Gandia.
I did not think that I could get heartbroken by watching the replay of a game I already watched weeks ago. Uh, but with the music and the zoom in, the, the dramatics and just the, the all around talent of Aldo Gandia just found a way to rip my heart out again. But, <laughs> but I have so much to say after that clip. I have so much yeah. to say. <laughs> Incredible video as always. Aldo Gandia, the best in the business. Uh, but as we go into Detroit, Danny, I'm going to start with you. Based on the Bears' performance against the Lions the last time they met three weeks ago, and what you've seen of the Lions since, Justin Fields could potentially have a big day at Soldier Field. A lot of that depends on the play calling. But in fact, before the season, you had a prediction about Justin running for 100 and passing for 301 game. What would you like to see offensive coordinator Luke Getze and Justin Fields uh, do on Sunday to make your prediction come true? Well, I mean, if, I think Luke actually Getze had a pretty good game plan. I remember that was Justin's first game back from the thumb injury. I think I think he had a pretty good game plan that that game. I mean, he was Justin in terms of his feet. He had 18 rushes for over 100 yards, 104 yards, I believe it was. Yeah, he threw uh, 16 for 2369 yards. That that beautiful touchdown to to uh, DJ Moore. And what we saw there with Justin, that starting after his injury when he, when he came back was him just being able to step up in the pocket. And that's something I, I kind of want to see more do, just, just kind of climb that ladder, get in the pocket, was, as let the pass rush go by you, and then find someone downfield. And he did it. He missed uh, – I remember that, that game. He missed uh, DJ Moore in the first half, came back a second half and hit him in stride with a beautiful throw. So just continue to do more of that. Utilize Justin's feet. And then one thing was, was in the video, as we touched on, Ali McNeil is a, is a big run stuffer in the middle of the defensive line. And, and him being out there, that, that's, that's going to be a huge get for, for the Bears there. And, and again, I mean, uh, I, I think that the Bears offensive line played pretty damn well against that, that Detroit front for pretty much most of that 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 game. Um, and then, uh, you know, Hutchinson was was pretty much shut down by Bardano Wright, except for that last play where they came up and he made that strip sack to, and pretty much, you know, finish the game off. But uh, I think just continue to run the football. You know, you use your offensive line that's that become a pretty much a strength of your, of your offensive unit right now and run the ball, establish the run, and then allow Justin to do what he's been doing. You get out the pocket, roll him out. He's got to make some throws from the pocket as well, which he's been doing. But just, you know, continue to move the pocket, move his launch launch angle, launch point, uh, use his legs, and, and get everyone else involved in the offense. But but lean heavily on the run game and attack them where they're going to be hurting, and that's going to be up front in that defensive line. So, you know, that, that, that's the one thing. Is And that clip right there showed perfectly. You know, everyone talks about Matt Eberflus keeping his job because the defense has improved. But 12-point lead with four minutes left, and they couldn't finish him off, right? A 20-some point lead uh, against Denver in the second half, they couldn't finish him off. You know, you win those two games, you're 6-6. Six and six, and Now you're actually like, talking about playoff teams now, so or playoff contention, I should say. So that's the thing. It's like, it's like you know, we say some positives, but because it was so bad that this is positive, we cannot keep this coach because of these little positive signs that we see. Agreed for sure. And guys, you know, I have a question that I'd like to get your responses to in Barflies in the chat. Please share your thoughts too. So as you know, we love to look to the future and to the off season. So let's say Justin Fields is back in 2024 and let's, di let's disregard coaching uh, and in particular who the offensive coordinator is going to be next year, because obviously that's going to be important. But I have to ask you this, what is the biggest priority to help elevate Fields's play? 
Are you thinking a Marvin Harrison Jr. or another type of flight receiver in this draft? Is it a dominating running back with supersonic speed, improvements along the offensive line, maybe another pass-catching tight end like Sam Laporta, who they're going to see on Sunday? Um, you know, personally, when I kind of look at it, I think, you know, the offensive line uh, is the most important thing that they really need to build out on this team. And, you know, they do have some pieces in place, uh, obviously, with Tevin Jenkins, and I think Nate Davis and obviously Darnell Wright, Braxton Jones, you know, jury's still out. I mean, if you can get a better option, I mean, I think definitely go for it. And center, obviously, is definitely the biggest concern. So, I, I, with that in mind, I'm not saying that I wouldn't love to have Marvin Harrison Jr. on this team because when you have a talent like him available to you, you go out and get him. And just the thought of pairing him and DJ Moore, like what Justin Fields can do, right? Especially when you look at the offensive line. So luckily you've got the draft capital that you could address both of those in the first round alone, right? If you wanted to go left tackle and go out and get Marvin Harrison Jr. if you're in that kind of position, or if you get the number one pick and get to trade back, but there are so many different, you know, things that you can do there, but I'm curious what you guys think would be the most important factor to help elevate Fields' play if he is, in fact, back in 2024. So, John, let's start with you. I, I hate that I have to disregard coaching in this conversation <laughs> because that would be the number one thing Sorry. that needs to be adjusted. Out of, like, other than the most important thing, what 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 are you, what what needs to happen? Uh, for me, though, um, listen, it, I'm talking about this specific situation where I'm not a college talent evaluator. But when I watch Marvin Harrison Jr. on the field, it's like that dude's on a different level. Like he, that would be incredible to see him in a Bears uniform with DJ Moore on the other side, uh, with Justin Fields throwing them the football, and then maybe you go and you get a center and in, in a you know not a not like a super high pick, but in a, in a relatively high pick, you you address the center situation uh, and, and you you get some depth on the line maybe, but that that would just be inc that for me that would be great to have Marvin Harrison Jr address the center position have somebody that can snap the ball preferably uh and then and then uh go on from there but uh yeah for for me it would be if if you if if you if Justin Fields is back and you have this current situation Marvin Marvin Harrison Jr would be amazing but uh, I'll leave the evaluation up to to Danny who spends way more time on that than I do Dan, yeah, what about you? What do you think? Yeah, we're, I'm, we're all in agreement here. Marvin Harrison Jr. would be a phenomenal compliment to to uh, to DJ Moore, not only him, but Cole Komet. I mean, the way you can utilize that kid on on, on the outside, inside, in the slot. There's different ways you, you can utilize him. Uh, but this is but this is also a, a deep receiver draft early on. Looking at it, right? Yeah, there's Keon Como from Florida State. There's neighbors from LSU. There's a ton of guys you can probably get later on in the draft. Not to the caliber of Marvin Harrison Jr., but you can get pretty good receivers later on in the draft. My main thing is center you gotta fix the center and if you can go get a a a, a veteran a guy that can go and i don't know what the agency looks like right now but if it's not a veteran you can just get a a very good center in the, in the middle of that offensive line because i think it's coming together i mean i, I think braxton jones obviously the next five games is going to be important for him as well but i think so far he's acquitted himself you know pretty pretty well i think you know him at left tackle tevin jenkins has, has done you know a, a pretty good job of left guard he just got to stay his problems just gotta stay healthy um and then you solidify center where where that that hole is right now with with a lucas patrick or, or cordy whitehair uh you know john you mentioned it you know at the very least someone who can snap the ball back to the quarterback without having him you know try to do you know you know 
aerobics there, trying to jump left, right, or whatever. Uh, and then I think obviously right guard with with uh, Nate Davis, and then right tackle with Darnell Wright. I think that's forming a nice little foundation there. So center for me, center is very important for for a quarterback, especially when you get comfortable with someone that, that like like a Jason Kelsey, you know, a veteran, that guy that can go out there and, and make all the, the play calls. Or there was a big great clip last week where where uh, uh, Jalen Hurts was trying to call an audible, and Kelsey said, turned back and said, "No, we're not doing that." Yeah. So that's that's what you need. That's what Justin Fields needs. It's someone like that. Now, is there someone like that available for agency? I highly doubt it. But I'm saying like someone to kind of solidify that offensive line would be a nice piece to get. Uh, so a center for me would, would be to pair with Justin Fields would be would be a you know a long way to go along with another receiver. I I had to get I was looking very angry because I was looking at the chat and Aldo put in there that there is a free agent available. Uh, Sam. Oh Mustafer. my god. Uh, and I I like I just my body froze in anger and I didn't know how to react to it. Agent, not just a yeah. Free <laughs> we, we were talking about good free agents. Uh, uh, but you know I was looking and because I've been looking at mock drafts since uh, Labor Day, Danny. Uh, so I was wondering, looking at um you know a lot a lot of uh, a lot of the drafts or at least the mock drafts. Brock, they have Brock Bowers or the Bears around that four or five position. How would you feel about them taking a tight end that that high uh, in 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 the draft, and rather than either trading back or taking a wide receiver potential? Yeah, to me, I, I love I love Bowers, I love his talent, but he's he's that's a bit too high for me for him at, at the top top five. I mean, if you want to trade down, we talked about you know Alyssa mentioned trading down if you have a number one or number four pick, and then you want to you know the team to come and jump up for a quarterback, you can go and trade down and maybe drop and do you know late you know uh late uh top 10 or, or early top you know 10 or 12 portion because you know bowers while he's a talented pass catcher you know he's going to come in around six two six three that, that's like that's h-back size that, that's not really you know a, a six four six five kind of split you know uh in line or or or, uh, or a slot tight end you know he's going to be a very talented pass catcher and i'm no doubt about it but you're gonna have to kind of scheme him to to get open versus those bigger linebackers and, and more more physical safety so uh, I, I think he's a guy that's talented but i don't think he's top five worthy uh but you know we know he'll be a nice compliment if you get him in the right range for a cole clement who is developing very nicely into a nice big red zone target for for justin fields uh even tyson bajan when he was in there playing as well so but no for me for me if you stay at one or two you know obviously if you bypass the quarterback for me it's marvin harrison jr mm-hmm. uh you know hands down going into right now obviously it's it's still early on in the process you know you know marvin harrison go out there and run a four six and next thing you know people are, are, are gonna forget about his tape forget about the last three three years at ohio state and let him slip all the way down to the fifth to the 15th pick you know so like you know that's but that's the kid that i would like love to have here with justin fields with dj moore with cole Komet. And with this, you know, with this offensive line that's developing here and that, that offensive backfield as well, I think that would be a nice, just like nice, solid piece there. Give you that big play guy, big, you know, big catch radius, just throw the ball up to him. Don't have to, don't have to be accurate. You know, even if he's covered, he's open, but he's that type of receiver. Uh, you know, some are already knocking him. Some scouts have already knocked him in terms of, you know, he's not as shifty. He's not as uh, elusive after, after the catch. But all I do is I put on the tape and you guys making plays. You know, week in and week out. So I I would love to see him. And obviously, you know, the, the heritage, the bloodlines there with his mm-hmm. dad being the you know the Hall of Famer, Marvin Harrison. So I would love to see him here uh with Justin Fields and DJ Moore. Yeah, uh, and I'm with you about the the Bowers thing. I, I don't I'm not in the camp of getting a tight end that high in the draft. Like because uh, you can find talented tight ends uh, later on in the draft. You, I mean George Kittle was one of those. Uh and, and I'm sure before, I, I, before the third the, third or fourth round. 
even the even the kid from uh, how how high did uh, Musgrave go? Was he a second rounder for? for Musgrave, was, I, I believe, yes, yeah, so he went second round, yes. Yeah, for so, for I mean, you can find depth at the at the tight end position that are going to be serviceable uh, tight ends moving forward. I don't know if you have to use a top five pick for one. Right. Uh, I mean, that, look I at, from from size limitations, you know, great in college, is going to be a very productive pro, but I just the, the size limitation, he doesn't fit nicely right into that, that perfect NFL kind of prototype. So you have to get creative. We talked about coaching, getting creative, using that guy's skill set, putting him in the best position to succeed. So that's another thing with, with some some like back Brock Powers. And you and you take it you take a risk with that because you look at how Kyle Pitts is being used. You look at uh was uh, was was uh OJ Howard a first round pick that he kind of no, was bouncing around like you just yeah. don't know how they're going to adjust to playing tight end in the NFL because I imagine it's uh it's a little different than, than what the, what than what they're right. doing in college and we always, they always talk about you know it takes a tight end at least a year to understand the NFL game before they're going to maybe show some production. Uh so I mean I, I I'm trying to think of like a top 10 tight end that was that splashed onto the scene i i'm i'm trying yeah. to think of one yeah, i know the top 10 guys really don't really pan out to be honest with uh, you vernon davis was a high pick i mean he has six, to- it took him a couple years remember right yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's he, he made Mike Singletary lose his mind at a press conference too. He, he wants winners. <laughs> so yeah, so I that, that I just saw that in a good a good amount of mock drafts, and I was just wondering what the reasoning was behind that, or if it was a possibility. But I, I don't see them going that way. But These uh, mock drafts are, are are the the Twitter or the uh, you know the the uh, the. Um, the four letter network kind of, you know, mock drafts. They're not the real scouts out there that are doing the work, you know, NFL and, you know, half of them are probably AI generated at this point. So <laughs> it's, 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 I have it's, seen some that have Bowers too, like from legit, mm-hmm. like, I don't know if it was CBS sports, but like, I've seen it. And I, I understand the sentiment you want to get fields, more weapons or whoever's gonna be the quarterback, but like we've agreed Marvin Harrison jr. Let's go yeah. for it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't, I don't need a tight end, uh, especially from what Danny's saying, almost more like an H back. And you gotta, you gotta have a creative offensive mind to be able to figure out how to utilize his talents in the best way possible. We have not, we don't have a great hit track history of that in Chicago. So, uh, <laughs> you know, let's somebody I'm else figure on, that out. On a first round though. He's, he's a first round tight end, sure. but I'm, I'm, I'm not top five. You know, if you're going top five, that's to me, that's way high for him. Right. Uh, you know what? Let, let's let's finish up with this. Uh, Pro Bowl vote, voting for the season started on November 27th and ends on Christmas Day, December 25th. Let's go around and see who you think, if there is a Bears player that deserves a vote and to to go to the Pro Bowl. Uh, Alyssa, I'll start with you, and then we'll bounce over to Danny. Do you do you have a Bears player that you think is Pro Bowl worthy? I do. Uh, there's several. I actually did a, a post on Bears Wire today. Several. Yes, wow. several. I know, surprising for a four and eight team, but yeah, no, I I put there are definitely a few. I have a post up in Bears Wire. Go check it out. I got six, and then I feel bad because I think I love Cairo Santos off. So technically, it's seven. Uh, I was going just offense defense there, but I mean, I'm gonna I'll go with uh, Jalen Johnson. Just I mean, among the best cover corners in the NFL right now, and he's someone that I do think that Chicago can build around if they opt to go ahead and, ex- and extend him this off season. He's, he's only 24 years old. He's really developing into a shutdown corner in this league. And when you look at what he's done this year, he has a career high three interceptions, uh, eight pass breakups, 27 tackles. You look at pro football focus. He is the third highest graded cornerback in the NFL with a 90. And he is the top coverage cornerback uh, per pro football focus with a 90.4. I mean, I think with what we've seen, he's definitely making a strong case for a contract extension. 
if not someone's going to pay him, he's going to get paid. And I think he's going to be a really good player in this league. So, you know, Johnson's never made Pro Bowl, uh, but I do think there's an opportunity for him. Uh, just, you know, really hoping that he gets a shot. Those are good. You might have talked me into that. Danny, who do you got as potential Bears Pro Bowlers? Well, I don't have several, like a list of those, but I, I, I you know, so my first guy at the top of my head was, was Montez Sweat. I mean, if, if you combine yeah. what he's done with, with the Bears and with Washington, he's got nine sacks. He's got, you know, 12 tackles for loss, you know, 17 quarterback hits. He's got two forced fumbles, a uh, bunch of quarterback pressure. So I think if anyone, you know, deserves, I think Sweat does deserve his, his first Pro Bowl call. Um, TJ Edwards, I think, has really, you know, I've been harsh on, on, on Ryan Poles and, and what his free agent plan was to go and get those those linebackers. And, and I and obviously Edmonds hasn't worked out. I think you could have kept Warcon Smith and hopefully signed at TJ. I'm, I'm sorry, Edmonds hasn't worked out. You could have hopefully kept Warcon Smith and signed TJ Edwards. But Edwards uh, has done a yeoman's work, 127 tackles so far, uh, two sacks, six tackles for loss, six quarterback hits, two interceptions. And you see when, when Iberflus uses him as a blitzer, he's effective. He gets to the quarterback. And it's just something about these Wisconsin linebackers to just, just instinctively know how to play the position and know how to how to get to the quarterback when they're sent on blitzes. Jack Samuel does the same damn thing. So I think TJ Edwards is a guy that that could get consideration. And Alyssa, I, I'm with you and Jalen Johnson. I think he's had his best year so far. Uh, you know, he's got three picks, one pick six, should have five picks and, and two pick sixes, but he, he's dropped a couple of, of, of gimmies there as well. So if, he's, if he had done that, I think that would have kind of, you know, been a more high profile, you know, play there, a couple of pick sixes, you, you know, everyone sees him on national highlights. I think that would have got him into the Pro Bowl. Now he's kind of like, you know, teetering borderline. So I, I think those are my three guys in, in sweat, uh, Jalen Johnson and, and TJ Edwards. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement with uh, certainly with Jalen Johnson and, and TJ Edwards. And whenever I was looking over, I'm like, I really want DJ Moore to be a pro bowler, but he's probably not going to be just because of his numbers. But I, I think that it should be graded on a curve. He's got 70 catches for a, uh, over a thousand yards and six touchdowns. But being a Bears receiver should mean something. You should be able to go to the pro bowl if you have those numbers and you play for the Chicago Bears. And so uh, I, as much as I'd love to see a Chicago Bears wide receiver uh, back in the pro bowl, I, I just don't think he's he's just behind so many people uh, right now when it comes to his stats. I mean, the, it, it, obviously Tyreek Hill, C. Lamb, even Keenan Allen and AJ Brown, Jamar Chase, uh, Amonah St. Brown, even Puka Nakua has better has better uh, stats than he does right now, and so I, I think that he'd be left out. But uh, Edwards, tackling machine, Jalen Johnson, you know, gonna cash in because he's having his best career in his prove it year, so he's gonna get paid whether by the whether it's by the Bears or somebody else. Uh, he he's he's obviously you know making making a name for himself as far as his market value. Uh, but that's going to about wrap up this week's show. Before we shut it down, Alyssa, you've been teasing a lot of things you've been putting on Bears Wire. What else can we check out there? Uh, as always, we're getting fans ready for Sunday's game against the Lions. And with the Bears coming off of a bye week and with only five games left this season, we have plenty of coverage looking ahead to what's another important offseason uh, from game predictions for the rest of the year. Um, you know, spoiler alert, I have them going one and four. Um, <laughs> Storylines that we can monitor. Uh, I had the Falcons because they should beat the Cardinals. So that's why I have them being the Falcons instead. Can, can we get the schedule up there, Aldo? Can we get that beautiful <laughs> schedule? Yeah, we got that. You know what? Cardinals look pretty tough against the Steelers. I watched yeah. that yeah. whole game. Yeah. I'm like one of them. I, I, I was going to pick, like, I mean, I could see them beating both the Cardinals and Falcons, but Matt Eberflus has yet to win back to back games. So in good conscience, I can't pick them too. 
went back to back. You know, we, so. I remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about, oh man, that Green Bay game can mean something because it nope. can mean, you know, uh, as far as like the loser could get a really good draft pick and that, you know, you might want to lose that game against Green. But now, you know, I think they're what the seven, they're the seven seed right now that the Packers yeah, are. Well, so. Yep. So like that that like that matters great. Uh, on the, I mean, the only thing Cleveland's got it's got Joe Flacco playing quarterback. So that's the only you know. But then they have Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett. You know, yeah. on playing defense. So it might be a zero zero game. The over under might be a seven. Oh my god, <laughs> Justin Fields going to have PTSD from this first start. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of nothing going on there because they got the they got. The, you know they they do host the Cardinals on New Year or excuse me Christmas Eve in Chicago. I mean they're they're a desert team, so they're gonna be a little chilly. Uh, and then you got Atlanta at home around the New Year's holiday, and they're, you know they're a dome team, so they might be a little chilly. So we'll see we'll see how it goes. I'm putting way too much factor into the into the the weather. That's what we have to do. Like, but wait. Wait, I have how rude of me. I forgot to ask John, are you going to any more Bears games this season? Because you know I what? adjust my record accordingly. <laughs> no, I, the, I like the holidays are going to get in the way a little bit of that one. So uh, I'll probably, I don't feel like going to Cleveland in December. And I don't think I'm going to make it out to Soldier Field on Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve. Uh, and then I don't think I want to go to Lambeau Field at the end of the year either. So how about, <laughs> how about the Barflies get a GoFundMe to get John Buffon yes. to, a, to a game? Start it for next year when they might actually make the playoffs if there's a possibility. Dude, Matt like, Eberflus yeah. might pay for you to go the rest of these games. If he watched before 55, he, he would. He'll, he'll adopt John, but like he probably brought yeah. part of the family. <laughs> I'm, I'm somehow on the job. payroll. I'm somehow on the payroll as like a consultant. Like it's just one of these, one of these BS positions they create. So <laughs> John will be the new Dom guy for, you know, the Eagles guy got into with the uh, four hours linebacker. John will be on the sidelines oh. getting into it. Uh, opposing team linebackers. I love, yeah, I, I need that job. Uh, all right, let's get out of here. Robbie, real quick. I saw your question about Ryan Garcia. I don't think it's, I don't think Ryan Garcia's career is over, uh, but it, it's, it, it's not, it's not looking great, but that's, that's a completely other show. That's a boxing show. And so I'm, I think only like maybe five or six people understand what I'm actually talking about so we're gonna we're gonna transition out but that will do it uh by the way as soon as the game hits triple zeros make sure you tune in to the post game show bear football danny myself and coach t we will uh share immediate reactions carry coach eberflus's and uh justin fields press conferences break down all the key plays of the game as soon as the clock hits triple zeros we go live make sure you set those alerts because you don't want to miss a minute of that but that'll do it for this edition of buffone 55 for Alyssa barbieri and danny shimmon i'm john buffone We'll see you next time. Enjoy the game, everybody.